Are you ready? All right. <clears throat> Some years ago, me and my son, he's a little fella. We were knocking around the mountains for a few days and we went to stay. Uh, we were going to stay in a campground right off the Blue Ridge Parkway. As we pulled up to the entrance there, there was a bear standing there. Not a real one. It was a wooden bear. And he's standing, he's holding a sign. And this, the sign he was holding as you pulled up there said, altitude determines attitude. I think it meant if you got high, you'd feel better. I mean, <laughs> I mean up in the mountains high, like, you know, if you got up there and got in the mountains, you'd relax. That's true. <clears throat> I like bears. But actually, the Bible teaches that the opposite is true. Your altitude is not determined. Listen, your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude. Your attitude. Now, we've got a damnable lie in this nation floating around that's being fostered by many people right now. And it says this. It's somebody else's fault. They're holding you back. You can't help it. You can't. No, no, no. This Bible teaches once you come in the kingdom of God, you're God's eyes on you and he cares for you and you alone will determine where you end up. You're the one who determines whether you go up or down and it's your attitude that determines your altitude. Now I use the word attitude with several words that's used like that, but we're going to look at a verse you can probably quote today, but I want to get it down in here and I want you to go out that door knowing you can do this. Philippians 4.13 is a well-known verse. <clears throat> and I want you to look at what the Bible says here. The Bible says this. Just look at the first two words. Let's everybody, we need to memorize scripture. Let's just, we can't memorize, let's don't tackle the whole verse to start with. Let's just try memorizing the first two words. I can. Say that with me. I can. I need that to burn in your heart. I need you to walk around saying that during the day. I need that to burn inside of you. Now, I want you to, I'm going to quote the whole verse. I can do anything. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. There was a spirit that raised Jesus' dead body from the graves inside you. Very God is inside of you. And he's promised to give you strength and courage to do things. And, and when you believe what God says, you're going to have this attitude. There's nothing I can't do. God will help me do this. The spirit of God will help me do this. Now, this is not, I didn't get this off a positive thinking website. Where did I get this from? The Bible is God speaking to you. And what's he saying to you right here through this verse? Let me ask you a question. Is this your heart? Is this your mindset? Is this the way you think about things? Do you, do you just have this God-given confidence? There's nothing I can't do. I can do this. It doesn't matter. Parenthood, friend, whatever. I can do this. This is the attitude that God Almighty instills in his people. This is the, this, in another place we're going to see it. It's called the spirit of faith. If you have a spirit of faith, here's the way you, you think. I can do this. God will help me do this. That's a spirit of faith. All right, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Anybody here ever heard of a guy named George Danzig, D-A-N-T-Z-I-G? Anybody heard of George Danzig? Y'all need to get out of the house. I was uh, surely one of my computer geeks knows who that is. Anyway, George is a student at the University of California some years back. He's a math major. He's already got his bachelor's. He's working on his master's degree in math. And uh, he has a class called Statistics. Anybody ever taken statistics? Yeah, I heard somebody groan. Anybody ever taken statistics? Statistics is where straight A students go to die. <laughs> statistics is the hardest class on any college campus. Many a smart person has been humbled in stats class. All right, George's got a stats class, and that's where you do statistical computations. And he's late one day. He's about 20 minutes late. So he slips in the back of the class, huge class, maybe 300 kids. He slips in the back of the class, sits down at a desk, takes out his notebook. The professor's lecturing. 
and he notices on the board two tremendous problems. And a lot of times the professor would put these problems on the board, you copied them. Now this has been years ago, back when they used something called chalk. Now for you younger people, and the students used something called a pencil. It was a pencil, you had to write it down. No electronics back then. And so he writes down these two problems and he, listen to this word, assumes that that's homework. So he finished the class, he stays through the lecture, he goes home, he starts working on these problems, and he notices these particular problems are a little harder than average. And so, but he gets them done. And he goes back two days later, Tuesday, Thursday class, he turns his homework in. The next Sunday morning, the professor shows up at his house and he's got a manuscript in his hand and he said, I'm gonna to talk to you about the homework you did. And uh, he said, yes, sir. And uh, he said, it's obvious you were late for class. He, she, he said, yes, sir, yes, sir, I was. He said, then you didn't hear what I said, did you? He said, well, no, sir, I, I just copied the homework and did it. He said, I began the class by talking about in mathematical fields and stats, there are certain problems that are absolutely unsolvable. Nobody's ever been able to solve them. And you don't need to waste your time trying to do things that can't be done. And he said, I put those two problems on the board as an example of problems that have never been solved in history before. And you turn them both in solved. He said, I've consulted with professor friends. I've consulted with math professors from other colleges. You solved them right. So the professor knows he's got a wizard on his hands here. George Danzig went on to get his PhD in math, went to work for the government. And he, uh, that's why I'm surprised nobody's ever heard of him. He is the father of linear computation, the father of linear programming. And he went on to develop programs that every major company in the world uses now. Uh, the military uses it. For instance, when our military needs to have a campaign, they use his linear computation to decide how many soldiers do we need, how many ships and planes to get them there, how much food to feed them, how much fuel. Airlines use it. How many planes do we need to move how many people and how many pilots and how much fuel. It's used throughout the world. Now, here, here's what I want to point out to you. Why did that man do something that couldn't be done? He wasn't there to hear somebody tell him he couldn't. You know the reason he did it? He thought he could. If he'd been there, and heard, if he'd heard the voice say, this can't be done, guess what? But somehow this guy got it in his head. He could do it. And guess what? Remind you of something? I can. I can do this. Because I want you to go out of here with this. I want the spirit of God to touch your heart and say, that I, I, I can't do this. That's from hell. That is the spirit of the enemy. It's not the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of faith, the spirit of God is the spirit that says, I can do this. God's going to help me. By the grace of God, I can do this. And uh, the Bible talks about two types of people. The canners and the cainters. The canners and the cainters. Uh, sometimes they're called believers and doubters. But they're the folks who, ju it just burns. And they just got this thing inside of them. We can do this. I can do this. And then there's other folks, they've got this timid, doubtful spirit that I, I don't know if I can do that or not. That's not the spirit of Jesus. Now we got, we got to get you on the right side over here. I don't want you to look in the scriptures with me. Does it make a difference? Does it make a difference in your life? Listen to me. It doesn't make a difference. It makes the whole difference. It makes the entire difference. I want to show that to you. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13 is a great, and listen, you can find this all through scripture. In Numbers chapter 13, I want to show you the difference that your attitude has made in your life. Then I'm going to show you you are where you are today because of what you said yesterday. Has nothing to do with God's will. He wants to bless everybody. Has nothing to do with where you came from. I can show you many a person who came out of trash and triumphed.
has all to do with what you say. In Numbers 13, perhaps you're familiar with this, there were, God's people were in captivity. They were in Egypt. He sent a guy named Moses, and he said, go get the people, bring them out. And he brought them out of captivity to take them somewhere. If you're Baptist, tell me where they were taken. Because we used to sing, I am bound for the promised land. Okay, they're going to take them to the promised land. And he said, it's beautiful, most beautiful place on earth. You'll live in homes you didn't build. You'll, eat from, you'll drink from vineyards you didn't plant. It's beautiful. And I'm giving it to you. All right, they get right to the border. And uh, watch what he does. Chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which, watch these words, I am giving to the children of Israel. Don't forget those words. What did the living God say about this land? What did he say about it? I'm going to give it to you. Is that a promise? Is this book full of promises? Should we be reading the promises and believing the promises and saying what he says? I right, listen. He said, I want you to pick 12 men. Just tell them to go walk around in there and tell them to come back and tell people what they saw into this land. Listen to it again. That I am giving to my people. You know, if God gives you something, you need to know what it is. So they go. 12 guys. We know the names of two of them. Two of them's names were Joshua and Caleb. We don't know the other 10. Look at me, verse 25. They returned from spying out the land 40 days. They took 40 days, walked around. They departed, came back to Moses, Aaron, all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They brought back word and to the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land, told them and said, we, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. That doesn't mean there's honey in the streets. It means it's, very, it's wonderful. It's a phrase that means it's a great land. And here's its fruit. Verse 28, nevertheless, got to watch them nevertheless. Nevertheless is actually, but the people who dwell on the land are strong. The cities are fortified. That means they got walls around them. Very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are in the south. Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites. I thank God for names like Joe and Fred. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea. And I, listen, what happens? Now, this is not Caleb speaking. This is the majority of the men. They're saying, we went. It is the most beautiful place. It's, be- it's wonderful. And it's, it's tremendous. But these are warriors that live in this land. And these cities got walls around them. Can you see where they're going here? And, and, and boy, they're, they're huge. And all of a sudden in verse 30, my friend Caleb, Caleb quieted the people. You know what that means? You know what it means? He quieted the people. He said, y'all shut up. Caleb saw what was happening. All right, let me go back to verse verse 2. Did God say, I'm giving you this land? And he said, y'all go find out. Come back and tell the people what it's like. So some of these guys come back and said, man, if we could just live there, it's wonderful. But them people are guarding their land and they're bigger than we are. Caleb said, whoa, 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 stop talking like that. I want you to watch what he says in verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and take possession. Watch these four words. We are well able. Look at them four words. Does that sound like I can? Caleb said, listen, you know what he said? We need to quit running our mouths and get it done. Let's quit talking. Let's go do it. And he said, let me tell you why. We are able. We are well able to do this. And I want you to see something because you're going to see it in Scripture. The spirit of this man. Did he have a different attitude from the other guys? Now, granted, there were obstacles. Let me make an announcement. Anything you do great in life is going to have obstacles. This American candy cane make my life easy is a pipe dream. 
If you're going to accomplish anything, if you're going to have a great marriage, you got to work at it. Okay. Young couple there, they were smiling, came up to me the other day and said, we're, we're pregnant. And I thought, must be your first one. I said, what are you happy about? Apparently they've never had a 13-year-old in their house. Let me make an announcement. There is no joy like the joy of children, but it is work. Dear ones, anything great has got to come through labor. I just said, we can do this. I watched verse 31. <clears throat> but, I hate this but. The men who had gone up with him said, watch these four words, we are not able. What was Caleb's spirit? Let's go, we can do this. The, uh, that, by the way, the other 10 men, what did they say? We can't do it. We're not able to go up against the people. Watch this. Because they are stronger than us. Well, let me make an announcement. They were stronger than them. These are warriors in fortified cities and you taking women and children and you're going to go thump them? Yes, it looked impossible. But what did they forget? What verse 2 say? I am giving this land to you. I want you to see the difference. See these two attitudes? Ten men said we can't do it. Two men said we are well able. And uh, they, they kept going on with the people. And finally the people said we should never have come out here. And the people, listen to me, they chose to believe the ten instead of siding with God in the two. And uh, let's see what that got them. Turn with me to chapter 14, verse 22. 14, verse 22. Guess who's speaking now? Finally, the king comes down and said, they're talking back and forth. And God Almighty shows up and says, I want to say something. Verse 22, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to the test these 10 times and have not believed my voice. What's he saying? What do he say? You've seen what I could do for you. You saw me part the Red Sea. You saw me get you water out of a rock. You saw me feed you from heaven. And you don't think I'll bring you, you don't think I'll give you what I said I'll give you because you've not believed my voice. What's his words? Verse 23, they certainly shall not see the land of which I promised to their fathers. Tell me something. Does believing God have something to do with whether you get what he promised or not? What do you see right there? Because these 10 men, did not believe what I said and didn't think they could do what I said they could do, they will not experience it. Shift gears. Verse 24, watch this. But my servant Caleb, because he had a different what? He had a different spirit than that in him and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants will get it. Does anybody know if he got in or not? He sure did. He got in there. You can get on a plane today, fly to Israel, land in... Uh, in Jordan, I'm excuse me, in Jordan, Israel, and you can travel to a community called Hebron in Israel. Guess who lives there? 3,000 years later, guess who lives there? Caleb's children still live there. It's the most fertile piece of ground on the planet. God gave it to him. Guess what? Was it because he was a great man? No. Was it because he was smart? No. It's because he said, I can do this. God will help us do this. It's because he had a different spirit. It's because he had the spirit of, if God be for us, who can be against us? But I want you to notice, I'm going to ask you some questions now. Did all 12 of these men love God? Absolutely. Did all 12 of these men worship God? Yes, all 12 of them did. Were all 12 of them followers of God? Why did only two of them get what he promised? 
You know, it's just one thing not to smoke. It's another thing to believe God. And, and because Caleb had a different spirit about him that said, I can do this. By the grace of God, God's going to help us do this. And it was that spirit of faith, as the Bible calls it, that gave him the ability to do that. I, let, let me tell you something. You're either going to be like the 10 or you're going to be like Caleb. That's why I named my son after this guy. I, I love this guy right here. Let's have the spirit of Caleb that says, by grannies, we can do this. You're going to have to put the by grannies in there if you don't want to. But you're going to have to be able to listen. Let's, let's quote it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You need to get that down here. And then it needs to come out here. I hear Christians all the time, good people, good people. And I hear them say things like this. I can't do nothing right. Guess what's going to happen? Be it unto you according to your faith. And this is the spirit. This is the spirit he tries to get inside of our hearts. All right, listen. There's the spirit of Jesus and then there's a religious spirit. And the religious spirit is not of God, it's of the devil. It makes you religious. Let me, let me tell you how you can know you're hearing the religious spirit. Here's what it sounds like. This ain't going to work. It'll never happen. I won't never get home. My kids are going to be in trouble. I can't do it. That's the religious spirit. Guess what his name is? Does anybody know his name? He's identified in 2 Timothy 1.7. Here's his name. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of confidence and compassion and a sound mind. Doing anytime you hear this in your head, that ain't gonna work. We're not gonna make it. I'll never be able to pay that off. I'll never find a man to love me. Anytime you hear that, you got a hotline to hell. Hang up. Can say everybody say it with me. Hang up. Say this with me. Hot, hang up on hell. Let's all cuss at one time. You ready? Dear ones, if you ever hear the voice of God, here's what it's gonna sound like. You can do this. It's the voice of confidence. It's the voice of I can do this. That's the voice of God. And we need to test everything by his word. I, can I ask you something? Is Jesus Christ the revelation of God? Four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. What was Jesus always looking at people for? What was he looking for? To see if they'd been to church? To see if they smoked? <laughs> what was Jesus always looking for? He was looking for something to bless in people. He was looking to see if people thought they could so he could do something for them. One day he's in a storm. He walks up to a boat. There's a guy in that boat named Simon. Simon was not well-educated. Bible called him ignorant. He was not polished. He had a cussing problem. But Jesus said to Simon, walk out here on this water to me. What does your head say to that? Better put your Bible in a Ziploc bag if you can walk out there on that water. What would the average intellect, what would the average preacher say? He'd have 99 reasons why you can't walk on water. Guess what Simon said? By grannies, if he told me to do it, I can do it. And he throwed his leg, throwed, throwed. He, he whooped it, whooped. He whooped his leg over the side of that boat. And he, guess why he started walking on water? Jesus was looking for somebody to believe that they could do what he said they could do. And guess what happened when he tried it? Concrete. God gave him the ability. One day Jesus walked along as a man for 30 some years, been laying crippled on a mat. And Jesus didn't put his hands on him. He didn't get a spooky feeling. He didn't go nirvana on him. Jesus just said to him, roll that mat up and walk home. I remember no telling a crippled man to roll his mat up and walk home is ugly. And that guy could have started whining and moaning. Do you know what he did? He whooped himself up and started rolling that mat up and walked home. You know why? He knew if God told me to do it, he'll help me do it. You know what that's called? I can do this. One day a man's got a withered, a deformed hand in church. And Jesus said to him, stretch your hand out. Jesus didn't put his hands on his hand and he didn't massage it. Jesus said, stretch your hand out. And that man, you know what he did? 
He knew if God told him to do it, I can do this. And guess what happened as he began to stretch his hand out? God gave him the ability. All through the Bible, God was looking for people to believe him and get out there so he could give me something to bless. So I want the Lord to bless my business. You got to start it first. He's not going to pick up the phone and rent you a building. He's not going to order the food. You're going to have to do something he can bless. Give the man something to bless. I want the Lord to pay my bills. Tithe. Great. One amen out of that. (laughs) Give the man something to bless. You've got to begin to say, I can do this. All through Scripture, you've got to give him something to bless. Get your head out of the way and get your heart in the Scriptures. Now, years ago, I I began, I got saved, hanging around churches, began to follow Jesus. I love the Bible. I began to read the Bible and I, I consumed the gospel still to this day. And I began to read the Gospels and I began to look at Christianity. And I'd read the Bible and I'd look at church and I'd read the Bible and look at church. And I announced to him one day, it's not going out here like it is in here. I'm not seeing you do great things out here like you did in here. And uh, I want to know why. And I just asked him this. Just He's my father. I can talk to him. I talked to him very humbly. But I asked him, if you're so great, how come you don't do more for people? we got homes broken, hearts broken, lives destroyed, kids in trouble, demons running the show now. How come you're not doing more? And I wondered, maybe he's not good anymore. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I went to school, and guess what they taught me there? He only did great things back then. He don't do great things now, but you got to hang in there and suck eggs, and one day we'll be in heaven. I don't believe that. I believe this Bible tells the truth. I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when that man says, and when I read in here, call on me, I will answer you. I believe he means what he says. All right. And in his great kindness, he showed me, he showed me why he's not able to do great things for people today. Anybody here need something? We all need something. You're not able by yourself. He is more than able. He hung the stars in space. He can help you. Now, there's some things I can do without him. If you need a deck built, all I need is lumber and nails and a saw and a hammer. I'll build you a deck. I don't need God to do that. You know, if you need gas, I got some money. I can do that. I cannot cause my children to be great people and love God and contribute to the earth. Only God can do that. I can't build a great marriage. Only God can do that. There's some things I can do, but I need him to do some things. And I found out in the Bible why he can't do it. Let me show you. Turn to Mark chapter 6. I'm going to show you what he showed me as to why he's not doing great things in many places. I'm seeing some wonderful things happen by his hand today, but I need to see greater things because if there's one person with a need, I still need him to help somebody. In Mark chapter 6 is this great passage. All right, you got to remember, Jesus grew up in a little tiny town called Nazareth. Just a few hundred people lived in this little village. His father is a carpenter, not a house-building carpenter, but a furniture-making carpenter, and made bowls and stuff like that. He apprentices with his father. He's a good boy. Jesus is a very good boy. He's in a large family, four brothers, sisters. And he's working with his father, a little sleepy little village. They're Jewish. They all go to synagogue on Saturday. And Jesus grows up. But at 30 years old, something happened. Everybody thought Jesus was strange because he never married. Because, you know, in that culture, everybody marries at 18, 19, a man, a girl, 15, 16. Jesus never got married. And at 30 years old, he disappears. Everybody knows everybody's business in this little town. And then they get these reports back that this boy that was raised up over here, Joe's boy, Joseph's boy, 
The whole world, he's the rock star of the world. The Bible said news about him spread throughout the world. He's healing sick people with his hands. He's, he's calling dead people back to life. He's working miracles. Thousands, the whole world is flocking to this man. And he grew up right there at his mama's house. And this mindset that Joseph's son's doing all this stuff. So Jesus is doing great things for about a year and a half. He started at 30, about a year and a half. All of a sudden, one day he decides, I'm going back to my hometown and visit. And this is what Mark 6 is. He went out from there and came to his own country. Disciples followed him. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now, all right, Sunday comes, Saturday, there's Sunday. Sabbath comes and he goes to church. He'd gone to church all his life. And when they got in church that day, Jesus said, I'd like to do the preaching today. And the preacher said, well, they tell me you can raise the dead. We need you. So he gets up there and he, now remember, they didn't have Bibles like this. They had these huge scrolls. So he asked for the scroll of Isaiah and he rolls it out and he finds, now you'd have to go read the book of Luke to find the accounting of this. This is two places, Luke and Mark. And he rolls out this scroll and he picks this scripture. He said, this is Isaiah 61. He said, and he stood up, here's what he read to him. The spirit of God's on me. The spirit of the Lord's upon me. He has empowered me to bring good news to troubled hearts, to heal broken hearts, to set captives free, to give understanding to the blind, to, to liberate people who've been crushed in life and to tell you that God's going to do great things for you. The favor of the Lord's going to be in your life. And he got down. Well, they knew that. They'd been here not all their lives. Guess what they also knew? That's a prophecy of the coming Messiah. That's talking about when God steps down to earth and we're going to have a great king and a great ruler and he's going to heal us and help us. He's reading about the coming Messiah. And then Jesus steps around the pulpit and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in this house right now. You know what he said? I'm him. I'm him. Well, you know what I, you know what you know, what would you think those people would have done? Go get everybody that's sick. Bring your family. Let's let him help us because they'd heard what he'd done. Watch what happens. Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Verse 2. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get this stuff? What wisdom is this given to him? What are these mighty works performed by his hands? Where did this guy learn this stuff? He didn't go to school. How is he able to do this with his hands? Watch verse 3. Is this not the carpenter? The guy's just a carpenter. The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, there's his brothers, and his sisters. Watch this. They were offended at him. What were they offended about? Man walks into town and says, I'll fix your family. I'll heal your body. I'll take care of your financial. I'll bring your hopes back to life again. I'll do great things for you. Why are they offended? You know why? They're offended because the Jesus they knew didn't do great stuff like this. They'd known Jesus for 30 years. He didn't do great stuff like this. I want you to watch something with me. Let's read the next verse. <clears throat> Jesus said, verse 4, Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own hometown or house. Jesus said, you've dishonored me. I want you to look at me at verse 5 and let's learn something. He could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And the original language said they weren't that sick anyway. Do you read verse Mark chapter 6, verse 5? Then let me tell you something. That's God Almighty. That is the one who hung the stars in space. That's the one who's been, he's been standing crippled people up and he's been calling people to life. Tell me something, what did verse five say? He couldn't do anything for those people. Why not? It's in verse six. He was marveling at their unbelief. Now, do you listen to me? Can you see here that our attitude 
stops God from being good to us. Can you see that that spirit of unbelief stops God? Listen, I'm convinced that Jesus is mighty to help people today. He'll do everything he said he would. Go in the average church in America and preach, and you know what they'll say? We don't believe that. Our God just wants us to behave and quit cussing and quit listening to rock music, hang in there and go to heaven someday. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be it unto them according to their faith. Listen to me. Don't have this kind of spirit about you. I don't care if you've been in church for 40 years, you've never seen anything great happen with God's hand. It's time for you to see something good happen. It's time for you to start believing him. We don't want to be a people that cause him to marvel. All right, here's the message. You ready? You're not limited by your ability. I mean, it's not because you can't do things. This Bible teaches one thing. It teaches that God chooses the people who can't do things to do mighty things through so he can get the glory. You're not limited by his will. He's made it very clear what his will is. I am limited by my expectations. I'm limited by what I believe. I block the hand of God in my life by what I believe, or I turn it loose by choosing to say, we're going to have a great home. I'm going to have a great marriage. I'm going to be a world changer. This business is going to fly. Listen to this one. I'm going to be delivered from this crap that's been bothering me for so long. I'm going to be free. You're limited by your own unbelief, but you're released by saying what the man says. I don't want you to... Let me, let me make the statement, then we're going to see what he says about this. You're not where you are because of God's will. You're where you are because of what you've been believing. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. All right. Before we read Matthew chapter 9, let me tell you what the Bible says. Our Heavenly Father created every person in this room, every person on this planet. He wants his kingdom to come and his will to be done for every person. Every person should be free, fulfilled, blessed. Every good thing God ever created should be in every person's life. That's his will. And we're told to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth. We're told to ask him for these things. But listen to me carefully. So, and today we say, well, if it didn't happen, it must not have been his will. That's a lie. We need to start believing what the Bible says. And I want you to show you why I want to show you why things happen in Scripture. This is constant in here to teach you and I. Verse 27 of Matthew 9. Jesus departed from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Why was they hollering at him? Why were they crying out? Tell me what they wanted. Does anybody know? Take a wild guess. They wanted to see. They wanted to be healed. Dennis, can I ask you a question? What's wrong with asking God to do something big? I said, well, Brother Brian, I mean, you, I mean, you're blind. You just got to accept it. They didn't accept it. Look, look right here. Quit accepting the way things are. Start calling on the name of your God. Call on Him and say, what's going on in this house is not right. What's going on in my mind and heart is not right. What's going on in this relationship is not right. I'm calling on you for help. These guys called on God and said, I want something big from you. You know, when you heal a blind man, it's pretty big. I need three yeses. Okay. I want you to watch this. And when he'd come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, you've been smoking. <laughs> Y'all attend church regular. What'd he say? He looked at them and God looks at you. He looked at them and he said, do you believe I'll do this for you? Apparently their believing had something to do. Can you see that clearly? Do you believe I'll do this for you? 
and they said, well, uh, we're not sure. We'll have to go check with Dr. Smellfunks down at the local church. We, you know, we read this book. And listen, they cut straight. You know what they said? Yes, sir. What does the Bible say? He said, do you believe we'll do this for you? They said, yes. You're going to do something big for us. You're going to help us. You're going to do something for me. Watch what happened. Verse 29. He touched their eyes saying, according to what? According to your faith, let it be unto you. Everybody in this room, look at me right here. You are where you are because of your faith, not God's will. He's already said he'll be good to you. He's already shown you in this book everything he'll do for you. If you don't have anything in this book yet that he's promised, everything that abundant life covers, he's waiting on you to say yes. He's waiting on you to say things like this. I can do this. I can do everything through Jesus. We can pull this off. God is looking for somebody to be good to but I'm limited by the level of my expectations. All right, there's two, two mindsets, and you'll see this in Scripture. You can call it mindsets, faith, attitude, whatever you want to call it. Two mindsets. One, one looks at the problems. Anybody got any problems? Yes. Anybody got any obstacles? Yes. We all do. There was life, life is not about an obstacle-free life. That's Mars. That's not the Earth. That's Hallmark movies. Hallmark movies are a lie. Can I get a witness? Listen to me, girls. There's never been a man that nice or that pretty. That ain't real life. And listen to me, guys. I ain't never been a girl like that either, so get over it. Listen to me. Let me tell you what life is all about. Overcoming one obstacle after another. That's life. That's what it's all about. Now, there are some people that look at the problems, the obstacles, and they say, I don't see how it can be done. Other people who look at the promises of God and say, let's go. Let's go. We can do this. And what you choose to believe is what dictates your life. All, all through life. I, I just hear so many people. They're good people. They, they, they live clean lives. They go to church. They worship. But they have this, it ain't going to happen spirit. And guess what? It ain't going to happen. It's not about being a good person. It's not about giving money to the Red Kettle and the Salvation Army. It's about looking up and saying, God will do this for me. It's about saying, we can do this. It's about a spirit of faith. And it, it absolutely makes the entire difference. I want you to do something for me. Let me give you my three C's. Many preachers say you need to quit cussing and drinking and listening to rock music. Let me tell you the three C's I want you to do. Number one, I want you to choose to believe God. You have to decide to be a believer. I set, listen to what the Bible said. I set before you today life and death. Choose, choose. Well, I choose to be a believer. I choose to believe what God says. And listen to me, I not only choose to believe it, I'm going to say what he says. Have you ever listened to yourself talk? You should listen to what you say. Because let me tell you something, the entire spirit world is listening to what you say. And you getting what you say. Why don't you turn to 2 Corinthians 4.13. Let me show that to you. Words are powerful. I've had Christians, I mean good people say to me, I'm such a loser. Guess what's going to happen? During 2 Corinthians 4.13, it's, it, it's not enough to just hope. Can I make an announcement? Hope is as useless as a screen door on a submarine. It's up right up there with wishing. Wishing will never get you anything. Believing is what causes things to happen and saying them. All right, look at me, 2 Corinthians 4.13. You're going to see the spirit of Caleb here. You and I. 
Now, remember what the Bible said. Caleb had a different spirit. What was his spirit? We are well able. We can do this. God's going to help us. Let's go. That was his spirit. Verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith. How many of you have the same spirit of faith? The answer is yes. Yes. You say, I say, I do. Everybody say, I do, Brother Brian. Okay. So since we have the same spirit of faith, watch this. According to what is written. Now, listen to me. It's got to be according to what's written. Now, I don't want you going around saying God's going to give me a Ferrari. That's not in here. Number one, you wouldn't fit in it. Number two, you ain't got enough money to pay for the oil to be changed anyway. You don't need a Ferrari. You need something bigger than that. Good gosh. I need healing. All right. According to the same spirit of faith, the Bible says this. According to what's written, I believed and therefore I what? Spoke. What's these words? The Bible said this. We also believe and therefore speak. It's not enough to believe. What else you have to do? You got to speak. You know why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you'll let me listen to you talk, I'll tell you where you're going. If I just hang around and listen to you talk, I can tell you where you're headed. I can tell you why things aren't happening in your life if I can listen to you talk. Because your mouth is the window to what you believe in your heart. All right. I want to ask you, I want to refer back to the verse we looked at to start with. Philippians 4.13 says this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me ask you a question. Do any of y'all talk to yourselves? Okay, I knew I'd find something we all did. Well, the problem is, what do you say? What do you say to yourself? Guess what you should be saying to yourself? I speak to myself. I wouldn't get out of bed without talking to myself every morning. I say things. I wake up, I say, self, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to spend this day rejoicing and being glad in it. I'm not going to worry today. I'm not going to be afraid today. I'm going to conquer today. And then if I don't want to get up, I just keep talking to myself. I just lay there and just keep talking for a while. But let me tell you what you need to be saying to yourself. You need to walk around saying things like this. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this. You know what that's called? That's the spirit of faith. I believed and I spoke. Let me uh, quote to you from Matthew chapter 11. I want you to listen carefully to the words of Jesus. We've got to start thinking like he tells us to think. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty two, he said, have faith in God. I may believe Christians should have faith in God. Yes. Do you? All right, I want to listen. He said, have faith in God, verse 22. Listen to verse 23. Whoever, guess what whoever means? That includes me. Whoever shall speak to this mountain and say, be cast into the sea and shall believe in his heart that what he says will come to pass, he will have what he says. Does your speaking make a difference? Yes. Doing what you say makes a difference. Those men in Numbers 13 who said, we can't do this, guess what? Caleb said, we are well able. Guess where he ended up? All right, demons, listen to me carefully. The scripture tells you and I, and by the way, do not speak to Mount Mitchell until it be thrown into the ocean. He wasn't talking about Mount Mitchell, Mount Rushmore, any other mountain. What was he talking about? Problems. Problems. Why do we keep talking to God about how big our problems are when he told you to talk to your problems about how big your God is? Tell that thing. Some of you are struggling with things in your own personal life. Talk to it. Now, I just heard, I heard that. Somebody right over here, they said it in their head. They said, I'm going to look stupid talking to my problems. May I point out something with great love to you? You're going to look stupider if you keep them problems. Talk to it and tell it, get away from me and speak what the Bible says. Say what he's got to say. 
Oh my goodness. All right, I want you to choose to be a believer. Dear ones, let me tell you something. You can believe God and you can say it. Number two, I want you to change the way you think. I'm going to use my favorite word here. A lot of y'all don't like this word, but I love this word. It's the D word. Y'all know what it is. It's not Democrat. You know what the word is? <laughs> discipline. Now, you know what you need to discipline? This is what the Bible said. Gird up the loins of your mind. You need to tell your head, quit thinking like that. And discipline your mind and say, I don't want to hear that anymore. I can do this. And you need to discipline your mind. And then let me throw one more in. You need to challenge yourself constantly. I'm going to ask you a personal question. What are you going to do today that takes faith? What are you going to do today? So I was going to go home and eat and burp and watch a football game, lay around the house. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm going to give you a day off. What are you going to do tomorrow that takes faith? You, know, you need to challenge yourself constantly. You need to say, I'm going to start this conversation and see what happens. Can I say it another way? What are you planning on doing this week that scares you? What are you going to do this week that, that makes you nervous? What are you going to do that scares you this week? What are you going to do this week? If God don't come through, you're going to be sunk. I can eat dinner without him. I can watch football without him. I can't change the world without God. What are you going to do this week that pushes you a little bit? Challenge yourself constantly and begin to say things like this. Man, that looks big right there. But I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to quit with a simple, a simple admonition. And I want believers to hear this. This great God of miracles is still a miracle working God today. He never stopped. He's never changed his attitude. He's never changed his word. He still works miracles today. Now listen to me. I, I love you, but sometimes I have to be a little, I have to be a little me with you. Are you ready? Small, pitiful, pathetic, woe is me. I can't do it. Thinking does not honor this great God of heaven. You know what honors this great God of heaven? When you start to say something and you say, they're going to laugh at me. Rip it. Let them laugh. Great, big, we can do this. My, nobody in my family's ever done it. I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to look like an idiot, but I can do this. That kind of thinking glorifies this great God of heaven who believes people to do great things. Let me tell you something. There's not a thing you can't do. There's nothing you can't do. But you've got to get this word in your mouth, and it simply is, I can. All right. Let's do this. I want us to memorize some scripture. We've got to get back to memorizing the Bible. We've memorized everything else. Let's memorize some scripture and we'll leave with this. I want you to remember this. Uh, let's do Philippians 4.13. And again, if that's too much for you, let's just do part of it. You know, we're going to start small, work up. So let's just tackle the first two words today. Can we do that? If you can't handle, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you handle, I can? Can you do that much? Work at it. Write it down. Write it down so you remember these two words. And let's, let's try it together. Say this with me. I can. That sucked. Uh, that was pretty weak right there. That, that's not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll do better than that. Let, let's, okay. I'm going to let him try it again. Let's try it again. I can. It's not necessarily how loud it is. It's how much. There's something called faith. The other word for it's oomph. It's how much oomph you got behind it. Sometimes I get around people and they say, we're going to make this work. And I just know I better clear them a path. And I get around other folks and they say, well, I hope it works out. And I think you need to go get a cheeseburger. This ain't going to work right here. Say this with me. I can do this. 
I can do this. There's nothing I can't do. Well, that was weak. There's nothing I can't do. By the grace of God, we will raise this family. My kids will be champions. I'm going to change the world. You know what this is called? This is called trusting God. This is called a spirit of faith. This is the spirit that changes the world. Now listen to me. Don't quit. I want you to do it all the way home. And, and if you pull up at a light and you find folks looking at you funny because you're talking to yourself, smile at them and keep talking. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you and bless you. What have we been robbed of? What have we lost to unbelief? What would you have done for us and our families and our communities if we had determined to believe, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, I curse the day that anybody in this room ever heard, you can't do that. Father, I want us to be like George Danzig who never heard anybody say it couldn't be done, so he did it. I pray for everybody in this room. Father, there's just a room full of needs. We all got needs. And all of us have things that we want for other people. Where is the God of heaven? Where's this great God who split the sea so people could be delivered? Where's this great God who rained manna from heaven, who, who opened the rocks so thirsty people could drink? Where's the deliverer? Where's the one who sets people free? I praise you that you're still here and you're still the same. And I praise you that you're just waiting on people who will say, he will do this for me and people to believe you. I declare in the name of Jesus, these are great men and women of faith. These are your people. They have your word. They've got your spirit inside of them. And I pray in Jesus' name for the spirit of faith to rise up inside of them and then be a people who, in the face of insurmountable odds, devils laughing at their thought, they say, God is going to help me. I can do this. My family is going to be blessed. This is going to work out well. God is for me. I pray for that spirit of faith in people's lives. I trust you for that. I give you all the praise and glory because of your goodness to us. Let Jesus be glorified in what you do for people. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.